Welcome to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about marital roles and parenting. Joining me today on the podcast is my good friend and fellow brother pastor, Jason Cruz. Jason is the senior associate pastor and elder at Calvary Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. He is a certified counselor with ACBC and a treasured friend. Uh, Jason, thanks so much for having this conversation today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Keith. So today we're talking about uh, marital roles and how those affect parenting. And this is an intriguing topic and hopefully one that will serve our listeners well. Um, why, Jason, should we focus on the issue of husband and wife roles specifically in parenting? Isn't parenting parenting? Well, yeah, that's a good question, Keith. Uh, certainly the Bible speaks uh, in uh, many ways in many different places uh, relative to the topic of parenting. And, and most often it addresses instruction to fathers uh, or to fathers and mothers together. So, yeah, it could seem, I guess, at first glance, like scripture doesn't make a huge distinction between the role of the father and the role of the mother uh, in most of its parenting, parenting instruction. But uh, when it's just assumed, uh, you, you tend to see that uh, it's neglected. The, the role of the marriage of the parents and then their individual roles, husband and wife, uh, relative to the, to the responsibilities of parenting. Uh, and so, yeah, I find it helpful to point out the fact that uh, for one thing, the marriage relationship is permanent, whereas the parent-child relationship is temporary. You see that starting from the earliest parts of Scripture, Genesis 2, where God institutes marriage. He says that a man will leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, who, of course, is also leaving her parents. So there's that. Uh, and then there's when, when it's just sort of assumed, there's actually a tendency to reverse those priorities, whereas God puts, of course, the marriage relationship ahead of the, the parent-child relationship, there can be a tendency because marriage is hard, because parenting is hard. You run into marriage difficulties, marriage problems. And one response to that, and I think we see it frequently, is, hey, it's not my kid's fault that I have difficulties in marriage. Those are going to be too hard to fix. So I'm going to make parenting my priority and try to give my kids the best upbringing I can. And there seems maybe more hope there than trying to fix your spouse. And so you're going to try to do your best you can with your kids. And just de facto, that becomes the priority rather than your marriage. Now, sort of building on that, uh, Paul makes a big deal. And again, I think this is sort of a culmination of a lot of uh, biblical theology that starts back in Genesis 2 relative to marriage. Uh, Paul makes a big deal in Ephesians chapter 5 about marriage as a testimony to the gospel or a picture of the gospel. Uh, we read in uh, verse 25 of Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. And back in verse 22, wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. And and so what we see when, and, and Paul, again, just makes this an explicit connection between what marriage is as a model and the fact that it models the gospel. And just consider this, that, that in our homes, to the extent that we don't 
pursue as a priority, the kind of marriage that God tells us to pursue. Imagine, you know, in a home where the gospel, there, you know, there's a verbal attempt to minister the truth of the gospel, but your marriage is telling your kids that uh, the church has no interest in submitting to Christ and that Christ has no interest in loving the church and sacrificing for her. That's just a conflicting message that's likely, as Paul goes on uh, to say not to do in, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, likely to exasperate your kids. Uh, so that's just sort of the intrinsic picture of the gospel that's often compromised if we're not pursuing marriage as the priority in the home. And then you just have the practical effects, sort of the disaster of disunified parenting, where like it talks about in James 4, you have these competing desires, and they lead you in front of your kids to tear each other apart. Uh, and I, I, you know, I would encourage people just to think about the fact that, you know, say, say you're, you're working a job and you have a boss and your boss has a boss, and you're getting conflicting messages. You know, your boss telling you to do one thing and your boss's boss telling you to do another. Again, just a recipe for miscommunication, uncertainty and exasperation on the part of the person under authority. Who am I supposed to listen to? Uh, just confusion and, and all kinds of difficulty when marriage isn't treated as the priority in the home uh, relative to parenting. Well, that's really good to recognize that God really designed parenting to flow out of a biblical view of marriage and those roles. And that's just his sort of good and kind design, as we see from Genesis onward. But also that there are practical implications of that, as you're saying, just very practical things about, you know, the husband and wife working together, not sending mixed messages. And and even as they picture the gospel and Christ's relationship with his church, that all of those things are influences on our children even though they they may not be so obvious on a day to day basis, so no, that that's really helpful. Yeah, um, you know that that impulse to prioritize your kids and to want to give the best to them that's absolutely a commendable and good impulse. But yeah, you just think about those effects that uh, a compromised marriage can have in the home, and and it makes me think of, of Matthew eighteen and Mark nine, where Jesus talks about you know what. The, the, the responsibility of one who would lead one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. Uh, and one of the major ways we can do that, provide an occasion for kids to doubt the truth of the gospel is by that contradictory testimony. Yeah. You know, living hypocritically in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a, that's a timely warning for sure. So well, very good. Well, you've brought up already just the ideas of roles in the home from Ephesians and, you know, thinking about the husband's role, male leadership in the home, and, and particularly this idea that uh, God calls husbands to have authority in their marriages, in their homes. But as we, we recognize that as played out in Scripture, it's a servant leadership that, that really is unfolded for us as a model. So talk to us about the importance of male leadership in the home as well as that authority servant idea that it is really a, a unique idea of scripture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, and I think, Keith, because the idea of male authority is largely under attack in our culture. You know, you have the idea that's popularized of toxic masculinity, you know, the idea that anytime a male would take on leadership or authority, that somehow that's, that's a negative thing. Uh, we feel the need, and I think rightly so, to defend the biblical idea that, that men exercise authority in roles like, like in, in the church and being a pastor. And of course, in the home, being a husband and a father. Uh, but yeah, we do want to be careful, 
uh, in our zeal to defend the idea of male leadership and male authority, where the Bible institutes that, that we don't at the same time buy into what is another worldly idea, and that is authoritarianism. You know, the idea that a man has authority for authority's sake and is free to do with that authority whatever he wants. Uh, and so, yes, we do want to rescue the idea and defend the idea of male authority, the fact that it is biblical. But we want to look, and, and obviously there's not going to be any better example than Jesus uh, in terms of what a biblical exercise of male leadership and male authority should look like. Uh, and I think of a text like Mark 10, verse 45, uh, where Jesus says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And you may even you know, connect that already with what I read a moment ago from Ephesians 5, verse 25, that uh, the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her. Uh, and then just an expansion of that. And of course, this is just New Testament theology we see all over the place. Uh, and it continues, of course, with the Old Testament. But we see in Philippians 2, uh, verses 5 to 8 in particular, just sort of an expansion of that idea that although Jesus existed in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be held onto, but willingly took on the form of a slave, the lowest among us. And then not only that, but he was willing to go to a death where you know, the Romans and the, you know, the Gentiles, the Jews said, here's a man worthy of the death of a criminal. And he was willing to, to lead in that way, uh, lead as a servant, lead as one who laid down his life. And again, uh, Paul explicitly connects that example in Jesus with what the husband is to be to his wife. So, yeah, we definitely want at the same time as defending the idea of male authority, male leadership to say this is a, a service oriented, dying to self, self-sacrificial leadership that the, that the husband gets to engage in. And specifically when it comes to his responsibilities as a father, he's not given authority over his wife, authority over his children to serve himself, but to serve them. Hmm. That's really well said. And you're right. Uh, uh, the idea of, of male leadership, biblical leadership is really under attack today. And it is important that we paint that biblical picture as a servant leadership modeled by Christ, self-sacrificial giving and serving. It's not an authoritarian model. It's not a, a selfish model in any way. Uh, that's really good, really helpful that we come back to that and, and share that. Um, like authority, as we've just talked about it, there are many ways in which parenting, biblical parenting, differs from how the world says to do things, particularly thinking about the area of priorities in parenting. What are some of those contrasts between priorities in the world and the Bible's priorities as it relates to parenting? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, you know, and like with any other issue in life, uh, the believer, you know, and this is, this is us in our homes, this is us in our marriages, this is us in our parenting. We, we live and move and breathe in, uh, in the context of a world that has thinking and developed thought and developed advice and supposed expertise that is often subtly in contradiction to what we find in scripture. Uh, and, and, you know, there's, there are certainly a number of ways to talk and think about that, but, but one that, uh, that I've found helpful is 
thinking back even to some of, of what God says in the Old Testament about uh, his relationship to his people and their children. And Ezekiel 16, of all places, is a place where God sort of draws this out. And let me just let me just read that. Ezekiel 16, verses 20 and 21. God says this uh, in his rebuke against his people. He says, moreover, you took your sons and your daughters whom you had borne to me and sacrificed them to be idle, to idols to be devoured. Were your harlotries so small a matter? You slaughtered my children and gave them up to idols by causing them to pass through the fire. And so what's the way you might just catch that immediately. What's so striking about that is God says that our sons and daughters, his, the sons and daughters of his people are born to him. That, that when we give our sons and daughters, who are his sons and daughters, over to idolatry, we're sacrificing his children to idols. And, of course, praise the Lord, we're not subject uh, to a you know, part of a culture where Molech is being worshipped and children are literally being put into the fire. But it doesn't take much to look at what the world says is a priority and to be willing to give our children to that. And, of course, with so much of... Um, the issues with sexual orientation and gender identity, that may not at this point be too much of a temptation for the church to engage in that and to give our kids over to it. But some examples, and, and these, and I can talk a little bit, because there, there are certainly some that are, that are issues of sin, immorality, and, and righteousness. And there are others that are more issues of preference. So let me address both of those. Uh, in terms of uh, and really, these can there can be overlap into both categories because you know the first things that come to my mind are like a Western education and being headed towards uh, a worthy career, uh, middle class lifestyle, the right kind of house, school district, uh, being able to provide the 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 right things, quote unquote, from a Western perspective for your kids. Now, is there anything inherently sinful about any of those? No. Those are all good things that we are free to pursue. But and here's sort of the rub with parenting. We can make those the priority. And, and yeah, I mean, you, you probably know from your own experience, you can give your kids to sports and extracurriculars and after school programs and rigorous study and, and standardized testing prep. And really what you've done, especially to the extent that those take the place of instruction, discipline, correction, the things that scripture says we must do, then yeah, in a real sense, you're doing what God is speaking against there in Ezekiel 16, and you're sacrificing the children, you're giving your children to the priorities of the world, rather than, and, and you know, a point that I make when I talk about this piece is that the things that God has given us to do and told us to do are not necessarily the pleasant or the easy things. You know, I, I've yet to meet someone in the context of the local church who really enjoys disciplining their kids, you know, where that's a highlight of their week. Uh, or even who really, you know, naturally says, yeah, let me just spend my waking hours, like it says in Deuteronomy 6, memorizing scripture with my kids and going over the instruction of the Lord as it touches every aspect of life as we live it out together. Uh, those things just tend to not happen spontaneously. And it's so easy to adopt the world's priorities and make yourself busy with those instead of being busy with the things that scripture says we must do as parents. Uh, now, just to sort of bring back the idea of roles into this, uh, and again, this isn't going to be a foreign concept, but it's helpful to, to articulate it. Uh, when it comes to preferences, a lot of times 
husband and wife aren't on the exact same page. Uh, now I know that comes as a shock, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And my wife has actually graciously said, you know, use us as an example, even if it <laughs> is embarrassing. And, you know, I, I could probably pull from any number of, of examples where we have not initially been on the same page in terms of preferences and some even where we continue. And one, and this is probably a fairly common one, we don't see eye to eye on how frequently our kids should receive uh, help from doctors and dentists. Uh, if it were up to me, they'd probably almost never go to a doctor or a dentist. If it were up to my wife, they'd be there like clockwork at least every six months and then every time there's a sniffle. Uh, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's an exaggeration probably, but, uh, we, we have compromised on that and, you know, gone over the fact that the Bible doesn't give chapter and verse on what's right or what's wrong in this. Of course, sometimes there's going to be a financial restraint that says we're not going to make that visit. Um, and as the husband, I can lead out in that. But what I want to avoid is, you know, not living with my wife in an understanding way. Uh, and one of the ways I will do that is saying, okay, you know, I would prefer not to go as much and not to spend as much on these things, but let's take them to the dentist every, every year, uh, rather than every six months. Is that a, a fair compromise? And that, that is what works in our home. And, and, and because it seems more reasonable, uh, I just sort of let her way, have her way with regard to the doctor, um, and that kind of medical attention for our kids from the pediatrician. But again, and I bring those up just as a representative example. There are going to be many things in parenting that are a preference issue, and uh, we we need to fulfill our roles in there. And again, I'm tying this back into Ephesians 5.25, uh, husbands dying to yourselves. Uh, we have opportunity to serve our wife's preferences where we can do so in faith. And it's so easy to think we're taking a biblical principle and elevate that to the point where we're just going to make all the policies and require our wives to submit. And that, that is not a good application of what Paul teaches there in Ephesians yeah. 5. Yeah. And you mentioned Philippians 2 earlier, just following the model of Christ who, who um, you know, came to earth, took on a human nature, died for humanity, that, that that models that consider one another as more important than your self-command that is previous in that paragraph. And and to show that, that that is consistent with what the Bible teaches about leadership. It is not an authority uh, dictatorial model, you know, it's a servant leadership model that's willing to sacrifice and give, and especially in preference areas to consider others, uh, even if it's a spouse is more important. So no, those are yeah, good examples. Yeah. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, I know um, probably many of our listeners are hearing this and they're saying, that's great. I, I, I love the vision of the Bible in, in terms of a husband that's loving like Christ, a wife that's following her husband, like the church follows Christ and whatnot. What do I do, Pastor Jason, if I'm single? I'm a single parent, um, a single dad, a single mom, or maybe um, believers that are in a mixed marriage where a husband is married to an unbelieving wife or likewise a believing wife to an unbelieving husband. What, what counsel could you give for that single parent or that, that believing spouse in a mixed marriage that's trying to live out this vision but in a difficult context? Sure. Yeah. And, and of course, we're focusing here on roles in parenting. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, there would be it would be other lectures where we would cover, you know, correction and discipline and instruction uh, and training. Uh, and those principles, which, again, we started out, to, I, I mentioned but throughout the Bible, spoken of, especially in Proverbs in various ways. 
those are still going to be the responsibility across the board for husbands and wives, and then also for for uh, dads and for moms who are in situations like you mentioned, single parents or or parents in marriages where they're trying to be faithful Christians, but they're married to an unbeliever. Those are still going to be the responsibility of Christian parents, no matter what your circumstances. But uh, which is, you know, this is the occasion for your question, Keith, it's going to be a special challenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so as I have opportunity to encourage folks in our church in particular in that, uh, I'm going to reinforce with them. And of course, this is the case for everyone. We all want to be in the fellowship of believers and having those who are spiritual help us bear uh, our burdens in love. Now, this is going to be a particularly challenging situation for the parents in the categories you just mentioned. Uh, and so my encouragement to people in that situation is seek counsel, seek help early and often. You aren't alone. I mean, that's, that's probably the number one thing to remind them of. You are not alone in this. And this is, again, it's a true across the board. None of us is alone relative to our pursuit of a faithful Christian walk. And that's whether we're talking about with unbelieving coworkers at the office, That's whether we're talking about with extended family where there are challenges, whether we're talking about parenting in a difficult situation where a husband and wife are both believers, or whether we're talking about parenting in one of these other situations where that's not the case, single parent or an unequally yoked parent. Now, why is it especially important in those situations that someone seek counsel early and often? Well, the the special challenges that come with this are going to be, you know, for the single parent, how do I find enough time to do all these things faithfully? All of the all of the instruction that the Bible gives to parents includes the need to provide for your family. So I need to be out maybe the sole provider for my family and having to leave my kids in childcare the rest of the time. Well, perhaps there are resources in the local church to see that that care for the child who's having to be left while the single parent goes to work is uh, Bible oriented able to provide some of that training, discipline, instruction that the Bible requires, and it can happen alongside you in your parenting from from other resources in the local church. Uh, In terms of just how do you do it when you're able to be with your kids, I, I can only imagine, Keith, the challenges that go with either being the only parent or even being in a situation where the other parent is contrary to instruction and correction and discipline that you're trying to give. And those kinds of situations, whether it's the, the, the occasion is one for bitterness, for anger, for discontent, not knowing what to do, uh, the need for godly support from a body of local believers who are walking faithfully in a diversity of different uh, life situations. You know, Titus 2 talks about older men coming alongside younger men and older women coming coming alongside younger men. Those would be key relationships for support, encouragement, learning, again, what the Bible says clearly about the priorities in parenting. And, and it might just be the situation where you've prioritized things going smoothly in your house and the Bible says, no, just be faithful in this and trust me when things are rocky. And just that reminder from one older believer to younger parents in one of these situations can be what that younger parent needs to steady themselves. And again, this is going to be an ongoing struggle on a you know, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Nothing more important. And sometimes it's going to look more intensive, like counseling, 
but just generally walking in discipleship relationships, walking in the context, seeking faithfulness in the body, in the local church. Yeah, I think that's a good concluding word that as we think about roles in the home and the relationship to parenting, we recognize that those roles exist in the broader context of the local church and that uh, many of God's means of grace come through that local body, especially when we see a single parent or a, a difficult marriage of whatever nature. Um, so really good, really timely um, to think about these uh, biblical roles as they pertain to parenting, but in the broader context of the local church. It is an opportunity, isn't it, for the local church to be the church and uh, to come alongside and bear one another's burdens and practice the one another's. And uh, in, in that context, um, to see uh, people like this flourishing uh, in difficult uh, challenges. So, well, Jason, th- thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate the conversation. And as always, um, it's a blessing to be with you. Thank you, Keith. more information about uh, Jason Cruz, Pastor Jason Cruz, and uh, his ministry at a wonderful local church in Fort Worth, Calvary Bible Church, uh, you can visit their website at cbcfortworth.org. And for more information about the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, you can visit our website at thecbcd.org.